salvation. Amen. Amen. If you want to take your seats. Good afternoon it is now. Good afternoon. So we are on a bit of a journey through Nehemiah. For those of you that have been journeying with us, we're now up to chapter 7. For those of you that have come in and out, or maybe even it's your first one, don't worry, I will recap the journey that we have been on. But Nehemiah we find in the Old Testament, and it's the story of this governor that gets stirred to do something about the ruin that he can see. He gets stirred to move, and God does amazing wonders through him. So when he is a governor of a, another town and God gives Nehemiah the vision to see the, built, the wall around Jerusalem be built and God reveals to him exactly what he wants him to do and unlike maybe some of us, he acts straight away. He goes and does what God asks him to do. And then he gets the approval of the king and this seal, this approval, it kind of is that get out of jail free card in Monopoly. It's that card that sees him right in many different circumstances. But when he gets there, he's moved by the state it was in. He sees how his world is falling apart. And some of us, this can reflect what our world looks like outside our four walls of home, our four walls of this building. And we can see the state that our world has fallen into. So he assembles some builders, different people that each take and do their part on this one section of wall each. So all these people work together and they focus on getting that job done. But Nehemiah, it's not all plain sailing once he's got his team. He sees corruption. He sees opposition. But he keeps his focus on God and the task in hand. Because God had given him that job to do. And he's there until it is completed. And then last week, for those of you that were with us, we saw that the wall was completed in just 52 days. 52 days this wall went around the city and for me I've been I was at a school in Erdington this week and I was driving rain through New Oscar down by Dovedale Road all that bit and I noticed that the new houses that they're building there it feels to me like they've been building them for about 10 years it feels to me that these buildings are the same height as they were last time I went down there a couple of months ago and it makes you imagine and wonder What a feat that was to build it in 52 days. I'm not quite sure whether you can build a house in 52 days, but I would be pretty impressed. But 52 days through the power of God and Nehemiah keeping his focus on what the job in hand was. So today then, we're looking at how Nehemiah, he he essentially hangs around a little bit. He hasn't just done the job and gone. He stays around, puts in some finishing touches, as we say, and he doesn't leave the job completed but unfinished. And I think sometimes for some of us, we can leave the job completed, but sometimes still not finished. And that's where Nehemiah finds himself. Because he wanted to rebuild 
that whole city. He wanted to leave it in a way that they could survive, a way that would invest in the future, a way that would build the infrastructure. And for a town that wouldn't have many people in it at the time, it says in the verses, a spacious city with few people in it. He wanted to create something of civilization. He wanted to create something that was different, something that had a purpose. And for each of us, God can call us to different situations, different ways that we need to act, different ways that we need to build. Sometimes as we're building, we face opposition. Sometimes as we're building, we face distraction. Sometimes as we're building, we have to pause and then go and sort something out. And sometimes we have to keep our focus on God. But let's have a look at Nehemiah 7 and read what Nehemiah did. So if you've got a Bible, we're towards the end of the Old Testament in the book of Nehemiah. And it's chapter 7. And it says this. After the wall had been rebuilt and I had set the doors in place, the gatekeepers, the musicians and the Levites were appointed I put in charge of Jerusalem my brother Hanani, along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel, because he was a man of integrity and feared God, more than most people do. I said to them, the gates of Jerusalem are not to be opened until the sun is hot. While the gatekeepers are still on duty, make them shut the doors and bar them. Also appoint residents of Jerusalem as guards, some at their posts, some near their own houses. Now the city was large and spacious, but there were few people in it, and the houses had not yet been rebuilt. So my God put it into my heart to assemble the nobles, the officials, and the common people for registration by families. I found the genealogical record of those who had been the first to return. This is what I found written here. Nehemiah goes on to list all the people and the numbers of people that returned. I won't read them out because they're quite hard to pronounce, I won't lie. But he lists all these people. And it's amazing to just look at the numbers and see that some of them, there were thousands. But for others, there were just a few. But everyone counted and everyone came back to be redistributed. Everyone came back to where they needed to be so that God could use them again. Then if we pick it back up at verse 73, and it says this, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the musicians and the temple servants, along with certain of the people and the rest of the Israelites, settled in their own towns. When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people came together as one in the square before the water gates. They told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. Let us pray before I jump into the points of today's sermon. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that although sometimes we see lists of people and lists of numbers, that you can speak to us through every single part of your word. 
And Lord, today as we journey through Nehemiah 7, Lord, may you speak into every single one of our lives. May you speak into our actions. May you speak into our purposes. And may you speak into the love that comes from you. But Lord, prepare our hearts to hear what you have to say this morning. Lord, anything that is of me, Lord, may it just stay up here and not go ace. But Lord, just be with us as we hear your word today. Amen. Amen. So when Nehemiah then, he finished building the wall, I was actually quite shocked as I was reading this, because I've read Nehemiah a few times, but kind of when you read it and you go through it, you seem to pick up different bits. And I was like, oh, it doesn't just disappear straight away. And I think for some of us, we can disappear once we think a job's done. I shared in the first service a story of my granddad, and he used to work in some factory somewhere. I'm not quite sure what happened inside the factory, but I remember waiting for him with my grandma on the car park, and he used to have these old clocking in cards and clocking out cards. And you would hear from the car park the bell go off at five o'clock to say that he could leave work. And then all of a sudden, at probably five and 30 seconds, there would be a mad rush of all these men that would come out because he would finish dead on time and he would leave when that time was. But I said to him once, I was like, why don't you, why are you all waiting by the door? Because me thinking about it, they've got to have been pretty close to that door and that machine to clock out in order to get out there within 30 seconds to spare. And I was like, Granddad, why, why did you just leave? He's like, oh, I'm done by then. It's hot in there. I'm done. And he would have different excuses every time. But it got me thinking and reminded me of him in this, in the fact that sometimes God calls us to stay a little bit longer. Sometimes God calls us to do a little bit more. Sometimes we don't want to do it. Sometimes we just want to get out there as soon as we can. But he calls us to be people of integrity. He appoints these three groups of people. But he mentions that they must have integrity and fear of God. Integrity and fear of God. And these are things that each of us that call ourselves Christians... No matter where we are on the journey, whether we said yes to God this morning or whether we said yes to God a thousand days ago, it's about us being people of integrity and doing what is right by God. We're not perfect. It's not a call to be perfect. It's a call to do the best that we can with what we've been given. And, but also doing it with a fear of God. I shared a couple of months ago a little bit about the fear of God because that is something that I wrestle with. I'm like, what does that look like in my life? Because when I think fear of God, I automatically think something I'm afraid of, something that's not always very nice, as opposed to a fear of God through a relationship. And it made me give the illustration of you guys and our youth. For me, the fear of God comes from getting things wrong or not giving my best or not giving my all. Because I want to do right not only with integrity, but with the fear of God. Because what could happen if I don't do it that way? What could happen if I don't give my all to a situation? What could happen if I don't give my all to what God is asking me to do and his purpose? And for me, a fear of God is not giving everything that I know God has given me to do the job in hands. And that is what the fear of God looks like in my life. For us, 
it can be and manifest itself in many different ways. But it's about acting out of that fear, acting in a way that calls us to action. Not just doing something for the sake of it, but doing it in a way that we're doing this because we're doing it by God and all that he is doing. And that's what he calls these people to do. So he appoints these three people, then these three groups. He appoints gatekeepers, musicians, and Levites. I looked at this list and I was like, oh, weird bunch, wouldn't have been my first choice. For me, I understood the whole notion of a gatekeeper. I'm thinking, yeah, I've just built this wall. I don't want it knocked down. I also don't want certain people inside. I was like, okay, I get that. The musicians. Now, I'm trying not to look at anybody in our worship team. But I was a little bit like, hmm, I get that we need music. But I was like, oh, I would have appointed, you know, finance people or some sort of workers or even water collectors. That would have been my next choice. So I was quite shocked by that. And then when I read into it, I was like, oh, okay, okay. I'll, I'll reveal it in a minute. And then the last one, the Levites. These we associate as priests. But it can also mean people that served the Lord. And I was like, oh, okay. So he's putting into place these three groups of people that are going to undertake a particular role, that are going to do a specific job, because he's not just built these walls for the fun of it, he's built them for a purpose, and so that that city will go on to last, so that that city would be known for many different things. So the gatekeepers then, they're there to protect quite the obvious thing that they do but they are positioned on those city walls because they need to protect what is inside from what is outside they need to make sure that they are at their appointed position for a time when attack comes for us we don't always have gatekeepers we don't always have something protecting us for some of us, this can look like a prayer partner. For some of us, it can look like a person that is our accountability person, that speaks to us when we're not quite where we should be. For some of us, it could be our spouse, it could be our friends, it could be a mother or a father figure. But we need to make sure that we are putting in place these people or these things of protection. Are we daily reading his word? Are we daily putting on the armour of God? Are we daily putting up everything that we need ready to fight whatever is beyond our four walls of our home? Who knows what we can encounter? But when we encounter it with God and with God's protection, we go with him. And he protects us from what we do and what we will face that day. Sometimes I know... We don't always feel like God is physically there, but we know as Christians that he is always there. Sometimes the hardest thing to do is say, God, walk with me in this, because sometimes we don't want to know God's reaction. Sometimes we don't want to know what God really thinks about certain things that we're doing. Sometimes we don't want to know where we're going, and we don't want God to know what some of our actions are. But we need to protect ourselves with integrity and with the fear of God. But are we protecting ourselves with all that we know? 
He then appoints the musicians. Most commentators say that these musicians, they would also have had a bit of a turning guard in the wall as well. So they would have been still centred around the wall. But they were there to lead worship. So this city that has been established is a city of protection and also a city of worship. Do we think to worship God every morning? I know this morning as I was preparing this this week and I was like, you know what, I've come into this place this morning and we've worshipped God together. But I don't necessarily always do that in my own home. I definitely don't sing or play anything. But in a way that, do we give our thanks to God each day? Do we worship him for who he is and what he's brought us through? It's not about making amazing music or singing the most beautiful harmony. It's about just worshipping him where we are. Sometimes it can be that wail, that cry, where it just comes from within because all that within us doesn't want to praise him. But all that within us knows that we must continue to praise him through the good and through the bad times. And sometimes we can just utter a noise that is, God, be with me in this. God, walk with me in this. God, I know that you are still there with me in this. And Nehemiah, he puts these people in place to worship to make sure that worship is at the centre, is one of the most primary things that they're focusing on at this time. They want to make sure that worship takes place. As they were walking in, imagine the music, the singing, whatever it was, as every person walked into that city, going about their business of whatever that was, they would walk into that presence of God. That presence of God. And sometimes we need to be stirred to create that presence. Because when did we last praise and worship God for ourselves? To worship and lift him up. When did we last do it in a way that is going beyond us congregating together? But in a way that we say, God, I worship you and thank you for being my father and seeking his truth and his promise in the words the songs that we sing are not just words that are thrown together many of them are words from scripture many of them are God's promises to us many of them are God's anointing words and things that we need to hear and many of them will resonate with us in different ways we don't just go from here with a song in our head because it's got a catchy tune God places those songs in our heads so that we hold on to his promises. And Nehemiah, he stayed longer so that he could make sure that this city would be that place of worship. Because together we can worship, but also individually we, we can worship God as well. We need to make sure that we are building the walls around us. Building those walls Not only strongholds of protection, but strongholds of worship for him. And then finally, the third group that he puts in are the Levites. So I when I was reading this, I was like, Oh, that's you know, that's quite an obvious one from 
for my knowledge of what Levites do and what they are and the fact that they're the priests and the people that serve the Lord and the people that sort out all the things that come with being together in worship of God. But Nehemiah, he wanted them in place to make sure that when this city begins to grow, when this city begins to operate as a city, that they would still have as their focus that stronghold in God. That stronghold, that foundation in what God was saying to them. Whether it was through them sharing story and sharing word, but would have been a different way in that sense. But sharing his promises, sharing what had happened in the past, praying together, bringing of the sacrifices together. He wanted to make sure that that was the focus. He was the governor of that city for a time. He didn't just go and clock out. He didn't just leave. He made sure that certain things were in place. And he wanted to make sure that as he left there, that this city would be strong. That this city would be physically strong and spiritually strong. And for each of us, as we leave these buildings, sometimes we don't feel physically strong. Sometimes, hopefully, we feel spiritually strong. But we need to go from here knowing that these things, they're things that we can put in place individually, but also as a community. Whether we need to get a person together with us and say, please, can you be the person that prays with me, the person that I can text, the person that I can call if something's happening in my life? Please, can you be that person who actually tells me about myself, tells me when I'm not doing all that I should be doing, tells me when I'm a bit offish, tells me when I am reacting in a wrong way. Some of us need to find that person in our lives. And it comes in one way, good and bad, because it's got to be somebody that you trust well enough that they will be honest with you. Because it would be great if that person just tells you all the positive things But sometimes we need to hear the negative as well. And we need to hear them together and with that person that we respect. But also we need to make sure that we are giving time to worship and pray and give him praise. Some of us can go from one hour to the next and we're just going on doing what we're called to do, what we're asked to do. And sometimes we get to the end of the day and we're like, I've not read my Bible today. I've not even brought him with me today. I've not even prayed or sang a song of worship today. I know I hold my hand up here. Sometimes I get to, you know, tea time and I'm like, oh, I've not done that. And you get that quick panic and you're like, okay, let's give some time to him. And other times it's when you're in bed and you're like, I've not given my time to God today. But you know what? We're all human. None of us are perfect. We're all human. But we need to try and make this a regular thing where we praise him, where we give him honour, where we give him glory. And where we do it not just of a Sunday morning or in life groups, but that we do it and make it an integral part of our lives and what we're doing. And maybe this week we need to go from here and carve out some time that will be, that's my God time. That's my God time. And then as I was preparing this and... What I wanted to go into and us to respond around, really. Because I really felt that as I was preparing this, that 
God had put those three groups of people in place. Three things that most of us know. Three things that most of us consider in our weekly lives, if not our daily lives. But he also asks at the beginning for us to be people of integrity and people that fear God. And that is what I couldn't let go of as I was preparing this message. And we each have got a purpose. God has called every single one of us to do something. Some of us know what that something is. Some of us aren't quite sure when they're still seeking him. But every single one of us has got a skill, has got a role, has got a purpose. Every single one of us. And we need to ensure that we are seeking God for what that is. And trying to keep our focus on what he is calling us to do. Because Nehemiah, he asks the people, are you in? Can I count you? Are you here to do his works? And I was pausing and reflecting on this and thinking of the journey where I come from. It took God 29 times to tell me to follow his purpose. And it doesn't matter how many times we ask him. On that 29th time of me asking him, I acted. Some of us are a bit bolder and a bit brave and we'll do it the first time. But we need to ensure that we are asking him regularly, God, am I doing what you want me to do? Am I where you need me to be? And this picture that he placed is what I want us to leave and respond around for these last few minutes this morning. If the band want to come up and join me. And this is what the picture was. It was of a bus. Just a normal, everyday bus. And the question was this. Are you on the bus? Are you in God's vehicle? For some of us, it can be as simple as responding to a call of God. Responding to having a relationship with him. Maybe we know who God is, but we haven't got that relationship with us. And this morning before we leave here, some of us need to give our hearts and our lives to following God. For some of us, God has revealed something and placed something on our heart that he's asked us to do, but we've not acted yet. Something that he's revealed that we need to press on and move and physically do it. And it can be bold. It can be scary, but he does it with us and he walks with us. And then for those of us that are on the bus, that are on this journey, that we feel that we're doing what God has asked us to do, that we're living and walking in this purpose as as much as we know. Have you got the correct change for the journey? I don't catch buses very often, but I know That when you catch a bus, you have to make sure that you've got the right change. Because if I've got a little bit too much, it all goes in that hole and I've wasted a few pence. If I've not got enough, I know the bus driver won't take me to where I need to go. Sometimes we have to go to the corner shop to buy something so that we've got the correct change. We have to spend something of ourselves in order to get where God wants us to be. In order to do what God wants us to do, we have to spend something of ourselves. 
We don't always like it. We don't always need it. But we have to be obedient to it. If you're on this bus, do you know where you're actually going? Do you know where your final destination is? Be not necessarily to heaven, but to where you're going for such a time as this. Where God has called you to at this moment. Nehemiah, we see from these lists and lists of people that he got out that genealogical record. He went back to consult the list. Some of us need to go back to consult the map of God, to consult what he's told us to do, to consult his word, to consult an old journal where we think we heard from him, to consult something that tells us where we need to be going. Because even though we are all called to be passengers on this bus, we need to make sure that we're not just spectators, that we're actually doing his will, that we're actually going his way. And then lastly, sometimes the hardest one, we have to be prepared to get off the bus. We have to be prepared to change our route, to swap buses, to get the one that's behind. Sometimes we need to go across somewhere else. So we need to make sure that to get there, we need to do a little bit of an interchange. God sometimes calls us to do certain things and sometimes we need to leave where we're currently at so that he can grow us, so that he can stretch us, so that his will can be done through us and also so that we can reach our purpose and potential in him, so that we can reach a new level with him, so that we can get to know him on a whole new different way. We've all got our skills, we've all got roles to do We're all called to be on this bus, but we need to make sure that we know what we're doing on this bus as much as possible. And if we seek God, he will reveal to us exactly what he wants us to do and where he wants us to be. He walks with us. He doesn't leave us. He doesn't forsake us. He goes with us every part of this journey.